Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. For Honda's seven-year sale, ends June 30. It's Pow Pepper who tucks it under the arm with some momentum and drives long inside. 50, Dixon marks. This, a crucial one. Port Adelaide draw first blood on Friday night football. Houston around the corner, another mistake from Polek. Miles pounces, has an open goal to kick to, but he's just waited the kick. Edwards has got another. Three goals in a row for Richmond, and all of Port Adelaide's good work has been erased in 23 minutes at the Adelaide Oval. Got it up to the wing, tacked on by Robbie Gray. Nice move, Dixon. Brilliant go from right to left foot. Now Westhoff meets the accommodating bounce, gets it, and can stroll into goal. And that's a satisfying bit of play from Port Adelaide. It fell for Polak as he measured yeah. this perfectly. Oh, well done, Rance, to get a spoil on Dixon. But that just allows Mudlock to come scheming through. Take it away, onto the right boot, straight into automatic pilot Stevie Motlock. The notion of a goal was enough to get him going and he's put it through. And Port Adelaide are red hot all of a sudden on a Friday night. It's a shorter kick than that. They get a run and jump for Castagna! Jason Castagna make the crowd as nervous as you can imagine. He's put it through. Port Adelaide on the Friday night stage are going to enjoy a season-changing victory. They've conquered the Tigers and shown that they want to play a part in season 2018. You know, we played 11 games for 7-4. and four. We can't be too critical. We lost a game by a handful of points. thought we were actually quite composed even late in the game where it was a one goal either way was going to make a significant difference and we were able to hold strong. We're not as consistent as we'd like to be. We're still trying to get better. Port Adelaide produces the performance that demands they be taken seriously. Coach Ken Hinckley is our headline guest. Yeah, they were a better team on the night. I don't think it was overly great game for both sides. It was a tough, hard-fought contest, pretty tough conditions, wet underfoot, high stoppage, high contest. We just didn't get the job done. We didn't play anywhere near the level of expectation for us. You know, It's a personnel out, but we still have, have, you know, expect a better performance than that. We're really disappointed with our contested ball number and the manner that we were in around the contest. I thought Port looked a lot cleaner, and we, uh, we probably fumbled a bit. The Tigers' third loss from three on the road. But with no Dusty, are there any real concerns? Or do you agree with David King's contention that they're a grand final lock? Unfortunately, the tribunal decision was that it, the week stands. Disappointed by the result, but um, grateful for a fair hearing. It's probably the biggest decision in terms of my professional career I've made. So it wasn't one you take lightly, and that's probably why it's taken until mid-season. An uh, AFL career is pretty short these days, and... Whenever you sign a contract, you've got to make sure you're, you're in it um, 100%. So, yeah, no, it'll happen soon. I think he was a bit disappointed when Adelaide came out and said at one stage that the deal was nearly done because it was a fair way off of being done. Changes will be announced in October of this year and implemented 
ahead of the 2019 season. My attitude is don't give up. Don't give me. You can't take that from me. The football world revolves around Neil Danaher, while all the topical issues are in the crunch, including North Melbourne's chief executive as the Kangaroos build their war chest. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Welcome to Crunch Time on this Saturday morning. It's a gloomy day from where I greet you in Sydney with rain pouring down at the moment. Later on, this will be the venue at Spotless in Western Sydney for the match between the Giants and the Suns. And right now, I fear for how many people might actually turn up for this game. But I can hear the sound of footy in action, <laughs> and it sounds like it's coming from Geelong as we say good morning to Jared Waitley, one of the great power brokers in the game. Have you got back from AFL House yet, Jared? Hello, thank you. Don't start that just yet. We are watching a curtain raiser. The weather's fine here, but it's still a pizzling. 14-7 to three behinds Geelong North Melbourne in the twos, but it is great to have a curtain raiser before us. And great to have Bob Murphy and Dermot Brereton with you as well. Uh, good morning to your team. Good morning, morning Anthony, Dermot, Bob, Hello, Jared. Robert, Jared. <laughs> How'd you come away from last night, Derm? Uh, it, it actually went the way I thought it would. Richmond just got over the line against Port Adelaide last year uh, in the back half of the year, just um, with Dustin Martin in it. And this year, no Dustin Martin, and Port Adelaide are recruited better. Learned a few things about themselves last week from Hawthorne, and they've got a few additions on last year's team. So I thought they would win, went for them, but but um, would they I have couldn't see with... a six or seven goal quarter though. Yeah. If, if Dustin had played Derm, who would have won last night? Do you think? Could quite well have gone the Tigers' way. They, they turned the ball over, and having said that, statistically, he does turn the ball over, but it's only because he takes so many risky shots, and the, the team literally asks him to do that. But his ability by foot would have seen him get the ball and use it to advantage, whereas Richmond tended to turn the ball over out of their defence. They hack-kicked it forward quite a lot, I thought, which was rare for them in this, in this era of their... Um, uh, of their journey. There's an interesting discussion around Richmond now. As we said in the opening, they've only, they haven't beaten a team on the road yet, three from three, and they've been against significant sides, as we know, with Adelaide West Coast and now Port Adelaide. Discussion around the G and the teams they've got to play. But let's start with Port Adelaide because it was a bit of a statement from them, Bob. Um, they, they lost to Hawthorne last week and probably deserved to loss, lose. They couldn't get the ball movement they needed down in Tasmania. What do you take out of last night? They dominated in contested possession, and obviously we'll discuss this with Ken Hinckley, but is it as simple as if they can win that stat, they'll win most games? Oh, I think it, it, it definitely gives them a, a much bigger chance. It was a pr- big, significant win for, for Port Adelaide last night. I know D- Dustin Martin's out of the side, but most sides would still be marking themselves against the Tigers because whilst they have got stars in Cochin and Rewalt and Martin and these guys... It's their depth and their and their pressure game that is what's probably most intimidating for opposition clubs. So Port Adelaide would have been would have been really pleased with last night, and they get enormous belief. They, they they were they were they were pretty average last week against Hawthorne. It was only, it was only a kick in it, but Hawthorne Hawthorne probably should have won by by a few more goals than that. So they'd be uh, Ken Hinckley would be pretty pleased with last night, Hutto. Yeah, amongst their seven wins, Port Adelaide have now beaten both of last year's grand finalists as well as the Swans. 
they've lost to West Coast and Essendon, who made the eight last year, although Essendon not rated as strongly this year. Only, with Hamish Hartley out for the year, only Todd Marshall and Matthew Broadbent to return possibly to that 22. So what are they? What, what do we think they are? Are they just make up the eight? Are they real top four contenders? Or we still don't really know. They're a top four contender for me. They've got this stretch of seven games, which is bookended by the Bulldogs twice, which is a real curiosity. But they go Bulldogs, Melbourne in Adelaide, Carlton, St Kilda, Fremantle, Giants, Bulldogs. They will... I think you could mark and say you would expect them to go 6-1 and one over the next stretch if the team that they aspire to be. They were fifth last year. They just missed the top eight on a performance or two. They look a little bit better than that to me. I think they have advanced. And if they can solidify a position around 13-5, and five, um, they have a really tough run in, which will either find them out or harden them up. But I do. I think they're in that fourth place is wide open, and I think they're in the conversation. Agree with that, too? I think the first, uh, yes. Can you trust them? Uh, well, that's the, the issue, isn't it? They've had some wonderful wins, and then they've coughed up some fur balls along the way and not been able to that's get right, the I've job heard that done. I think yeah. Even the fact that Ken Hinckley himself in the post-match said that, he, that they haven't found their absolute consistency yet. So that's that, if that's the senior coach saying, it's a bit hard for us to have absolute trust. But, yeah. they're, they're, but their good stuff is is top four good. Oh, okay. But it's been indicative of them in this period, hasn't it, really? Apart from that, you know, when Kenny first took over and they were surging and all that. Since then, you haven't really been sure. Well, what you get, if you've got kids, they'll give you enthusiasm. They're, as, they're enthusiastic. They will come out and they'll have a rip at it. But they're prone to uh, dropping off at various times. And they give you inconsistency. But they do have a rip. So what you do is you recruit some senior players and that'll give you a consistent, more consistent level. Uh, if those and is players, it, though? The well, players you would, recruited you, were Rockcliffe, yep. Watts and Motlop. Well, Watts has not been consistent himself. Motlop is the type of player who does show inconsistency. Uh, and Rockcliffe's body has only, well, even if it is good now, he's only shown us his ball capable, his ball winning capabilities again in the last month that the the, the power of played footy. He was so good he, last night, wasn't he? Yes, he was, and he was he was he was all right against Hawthorne. I just once again, I, I think Ken got out coached last week, and I think Clarkson probably t- deserves two of the four points that Hawthorne won. He really did that well in the box, but he he's a very good uh, player, and he will give them a little bit more consistency around the middle of the ground. I take what Jared's saying about the, 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 the run they've got to come, and, yeah, it, the destiny is in their own hands in that regard. But the top three pl- uh, teams, as we see it right now, sit so far ahead in terms of what we, what we know they're capable of. Melbourne are the only fringe there, really. We need to see them in absolute testing furnace conditions. There's only one spot left in that four for me by the end of the year. Are they capable of being that? Yes. But then are North Melbourne, are Geelong, are the Giants if they get on a roll? Hmm. Somebody will come up and take yep. that fourth spot, which is and if they only gets filled by one. But as we've seen in the last two years, five, six, seven, eight 
has a shot now as if well. They can ta- if they can, yeah, the if they can run. get the timing right. Yeah. So, so did, did we learn? What did we learn from last night? From, from a, before we, we move on to, to Richmond because Ken's going to join us fairly shortly. What did we learn from last night on that I thought Adelaide the, front? I, I, sorry, on the Adelaide front, I thought yep. I was about to say. I thought I, what I learnt was the ground was a touch, seemed a touch big on the road for Richmond. When they kicked out, uh, when they were under pressure and they kicked the ball forward, there was a lot of space that uh, Port Adelaide were able to take an uncontested mark to intercept. And that's if if a tighter ground, and the MCG is a big-ish ground but not huge, um, you tend to get numbers pretty well a kick away from the footy. What do we learn about Port Port Adelaide? Uh, Charlie Dixon is key to that team. Is is he the best player? He's close to, but I don't think he's the best player. Uh, He occupied Rance. I don't say he beat Rance, but he occupied Rance to the point where Rance couldn't assist five other backmen. I wanted to ask you about that that battle last night. How did did you see it? It was a fascinating battle just on the the television. Rance had some great moments yeah. and, some, and some extremes of the other. Yeah. How did you see the battle? I, I thought he didn't play as a decoy, but the word he used is occupied. That's a good word, actually, yeah. He, uh, remember the last quarter, he took up, he took his positioning up to the centre wing and charged at the ball and took a mark in front of Rance. And as he turned to kick it, I thought he was too slow to release it. But Rance is starting on the mark. And as soon as I saw Rance standing on the mark on centre wing and his opponent kicking over his head, I, I, I thought, oh, this is going to be a bit tough for Richmond's defence because there's no Rance to assist them mm. with the ball going in there. And that's something you learn and think, if you somehow can get Rance to the wing and get him to stand on the mark some way... Well, you, ideally, you've got to isolate him and then you've got to beat him so he has to stand on the mark. And he's not going to do that too often. But without Rance down there, you just thought, right, they're, they're, they're planning their ability to assist each other. I won't say they're headless, but it seemed like they weren't a cohesive unit when when Rance was occupied with a, a bigger fish to fry, i.e. Charlie. Think, do you think clubs are now putting a lot more time into the, the Alex Rance yes. situation? Yeah, yeah. I think Charlie's information input before the game as to where to go, how to go and when to go on the lead and where to, I think that probably would have been the most information that any one of the 22 Port Adelaide players had to soak up last night. So, Jared Richmond at 8-3, and three, you had David King with you during the week saying that everyone else is playing for that second spot in the grand final because of their, their obviously their amazing performances at the MCG. Yet they've only beaten one finalist from last year, and that was Essendon. They've lost to Adelaide, West Coast, and Port. Uh, their their other wins have included three uh, have included three current top eight sides in North Collingwood and Melbourne. So there is some some impressive wins there, and they've only got two more trips into state against the Giants and the Suns. So they're clearly going to be there. But th- I mean, Melbourne and Sydney could join them on eight wins and four losses if they win this weekend. So are they? Are they the clear dominant side in your mind? I think they're the best team in it. Or maybe I'll frame it like this. Their best footy is by far and away the the watermark at the MCG especially. At the yeah. MCG. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're a superpower, but I think they're as good as we've mm. got in a competition that doesn't have a superpower. So does their bottom, is their bottom end still worry people? Or not? We, well, we worried us last year, didn't yeah. we? But well, I think 
like most teams, a couple of injuries here and there. So you take Bashahuli out and you take Dustin Martin out and then you hobble David Asprey mm. and suddenly yeah. you know, the, the their, their complete side is that's the premiership side. You take a couple out, they're as vulnerable yeah. as the other teams who well, are doing the chasing. It, it pointedly to your question, Anthony, of the bottom six, they became last year superb role players. Mm. And really what they were, were in football in terms, they were widgets. Forget the names that next to them. They just came out and they performed a role. Uh, so we've had furballs and widgets so far. <laughs> yeah. well. um, so you write a job description out on a card and you throw it on the table, and that is the 18th player in the team. The next man up, he picks up that card and reads it, absorbs it, and says, right, I forget what I was good at as a kid. I forget my personality. That is the role I play, and I'll dedicate my soul to playing that role. And that's what Richmond got last year from their bottom six, and that served them handsomely. A lot of texts reminding us of Bat Basher who are missing as you said, and they've tried to bring Menadju and Moore and a few of these other kids in to, to you know, grow in their roles, I suppose. But so far, we, we haven't, they haven't been able to do that. I guess you've got to give them a bit more time. So more discussion on the Tigers. If we get the chance, we might take a few calls from Richmond fans on that. But uh, we need to take a break because Ken Hinckley is set to join us next, the coach of Port Adelaide. Always a fascinating chat. So we'll speak to the leader of Port Adelaide. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Adelaide after their win over the Tigers last night. It was 10-12-72 to 8-10-58 on a wet night in Adelaide. This is crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. With a 14-point win over Richmond. Coming up on crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. We explore more last night's performance from Port Adelaide perspective with their coach, Ken Hinckley. And, of course, uh, we'll address all the issues in footy, including the Kangaroos' startling success. Their CEO, Carl Dolina, will join us a little later. All the issues on and off the field in the crunch, including uh, all the demands that Jared made to change the game during his visit to <laughs> AFL House earlier in the week. But the coach of Port Adelaide joins us, Ken Hinckley. Welcome, Ken, and congratulations. Thanks, boys. Um, when, you, when did you get the news or think that Dustin Martin might be out of the Richmond team, and how did it change your planning? Oh, we, we found out early Thursday morning that he wouldn't be a part of their team, and um, certainly didn't change our planning greatly. I mean, obviously, he's a great player, but you, you look at Richmond as the whole, and they're all about their pressure and their team care for each other, and I think that was pretty significant for them, but you know, Dusty out certainly didn't make us unhappy. No. Well, I mean, he is an exceptional player, though, and I, I take your point about team. What, what what was your approach going to be to him, and, and, and therefore did somebody then get a different role? No, no, not really. We had, we had pretty simple philosophy against Richmond in the past, and, you know, we tend to um, not so much run with one in particular player, but we try to make it a midfield be midfield a bit more, and we know Dustin's weapons are outstanding, and, and Trent and the other boys that play through there, you know, they've got Caddy. They also pressed you out. I think that's 
you know, goes a little unnoticed at the moment. And we have we had most of our best midfielders available, so we felt as if we would could control the group, not necessarily the one player. Ken, Bob here. Congratulations on a great win last night. We were chatting in here about the battle between Charlie Dixon and, and Alex Rance. How much planning goes into to Alex Rance and, and keeping him accountable? Yeah, like Bob, we have a, we spent a lot of time. We played against Richmond last year, and um, I think we might have lost that game at home by about the same margins we won by last night. And, and Alex, we held him really well in the first half. Second half, he got on top of us. Last night, I just I felt like it was an enormous battle between the two boys. I thought it was outstanding. And you know, I've said for a couple of weeks now, it's not just goals and marks that Charlie brings to us. It's when he can compete like that against the best fullback in the competition. That's really, really important. I thought it was just a great battle between the two blokes. Now, Ken, you and I are both members of the paid-up members of the halfback flank society, and uh, I was... Very I, similar I, players, actually. <laughs> and I, I just am keen. I keep a close eye on some of the halfback flankers, and I, I was pleased to see Jasper Pittard back in the side last night, and he, he sort of missed a fair bit of footy at this year. Where do, you, where do you sort of see his year at? Yeah, he certainly missed a lot of footy, Bob, and you're right, us... Um, us really skillful, clever halfback back <laughs> who, who particularly myself lack a bit of courage when it's needed. We, Amen to that, take, brother. We take a bit of crafting our way around the ground. We've got to play our... Everyone just plays their role, mate. Yeah, I think it's important. We say it all the time, accept your role, know your role and play your role. I did it really well. So, you yeah, know, Jasper's been really... Like, he's been a real miss for us, to be fair. And Broadbent as well. It goes unnoticed that Broadbent hasn't played all year and and for us to have two of our really strong, you know, experienced 26-year-old halfback flankers who have played over 100 games, you do miss them, and, and particularly Jasper, because young Riley's doing an outstanding job, and Dan Hewson, but they're very young. You know, when the game gets big, you just need a bit of composure and a bit of uh, experience, and Jasper certainly brings that to us. And I think, really important, we've got an enormous amount of upside for the rest of the year from him. Ken Dermott here. Congratulations on a fantastic win last night. Thanks, Dermot. Hey, uh, keeping with you and Bob and the uh, half-backers uh, fraternity, there's a kid who doesn't get much notice at all, but we kind of think of him a little bit older than he perhaps is because he's played uh, unhindered for 50-odd games. I-, I thought that was the best role play I've seen from Darcy Byrne-Jones last night. His ability to read the depth of the ball that would be hat kicked forward and pick it off. I thought was fantastic. Is he is he a really intelligent footballer, or did he just kind of get it right last night? No, he's a really smart young man all over the. You know, not just on the footy field. Darcy's. Um, I call him Hank because he's got he got the two personalities going at the same time. <laughs> Such a nice guy, but when he gets on the footy field, he turns into a bit of a killer. So. Um, no, he's, he's a really intelligent footballer. He, he's had an outstanding season. Darcy, I, look, I've probably spruiken a bit much. He's probably put six or eight in our best and fairest at this stage of the year. He's had uh, that strong a season for us. And as you said, he's come in right from the very start. I was one of his doubters, to be honest, right at the very start. He's come in and not missed a beat. And there's no no way you can get him out of sight. Now he's such an important part. It's amazing. You get a bloke who comes in at six foot one. He's not heavy. He's not overly fast. He, he doesn't kick the ball, you know, with a, 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 you know, a thud. And he hasn't got a big physical presence. But he just keeps getting the job done. Yeah, he just does his role, and he just plays in the right spots. As you said, his intelligence around the football and just outside the football are really important. You know, and he's, you know, he cleans up ground ball really well, and he usually makes really simple decisions, and that's easy for his teammates to read off. Can I ask you... Now, it, 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 we might even have a little bit of a giggle at this because of what happened last night, and we did last year, but it might cost you. Can your blokes shooting at goal, can they count? <laughs> yeah, they can count. 
Now, Stephen Motlop last night, he missed the countdown clock and it was called Play On. Last year, Big Charlie did it down here at Geelong. Uh, it, it's going to cost you. Yeah, look, I think last night um, Stephen was very, um, should I use the word clever? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> he was very clever to know the game was very, very late and he wanted to use every second he could. And then he had some amazing composure to find another mark. He did. That, that allowed us to take a minute off the clock. Now, that was really, really important for us. But not perfectly planned. I wouldn't have thought the shot away would have been better. I, I think he tried to start the run-up with one second to go, but he just didn't quite get started. So. He's a bit of a make-it-up-as-he-goes, Moss. We know that. And uh, when he makes it up really well, it's great. But then last night, you know, he made a little mistake. But, uh, yeah, you're right, Dan. We, we better do some canning school. That, that, that's the thing with him. I reckon if he makes it up as he goes along and he's given it no pre-thought, that's instinct. And that's what he plays on. But if he's actually going in with a plan on how to make it up, I'm going to do this at this stage, it mightn't come out that well. Uh, yeah, but look, he was he was fantastic. The one thing I loved about Charlie Dixon, I guess to go back over Bob's comment, was he took four contested marks. And when you start doing that against Alex Rance, it makes Rance play closer to you because Charlie can then turn around and, and, the, and the body language says, well, I'll stand 25 out from goal. And if I can push you side on and mark the ball, I'm going to get shots at goal. And then Rance had to play tighter on him. I, I thought his ability to occupy Rance's mind and attention and Rance couldn't give more to his backline teammates, I thought that was literally pivotal in the front half. Yeah, I have no doubt. Charlie's start made Rancy nervous. There's no doubt about that. And Charlie got three contested marks early in the game and hit the scoreboard. We're really, really mindful of trying to keep Rance as deep as we could. You know, there's no doubt about that. We wanted him to defend a bit deeper. So as that he did feel the pressure if someone marked it, they did get a scoreboard opportunity. Now he's an outstanding defender. You can get one get it right for a quarter, but he never lets you get it right for four. And that's what I you'd, you'd love about him as a player, I'm sure. So Ken, what did you make of the second half where where you did only kick one goal? One goal seven, Jared. You're talking yeah. about you can't yep. we can do the other stuff too. We can yeah. we can miss some very gettles. Look at the game is was always going to be a bit tight. We we probably just had that explosive five minutes in the in the second quarter where we kicked five goals. And outside of that, the game was a really really tough game of football to get score. And the conditions, you know, was Adelaide Oval goes a little unnoticed sometimes. Can get quite slippery even though it didn't rain. That makes it a bit of a tougher battle for us. But um, now look, we'd much prefer if we had a you know con- converted a few more of those opportunities. I'd love us to be able to score 100 regularly week in week out. It gives you a great chance. But you know we we just got to. From our point of view, he's got to keep fighting through our way through games and keep getting the um, you know the wins on the board. Are you really as unreliable as some people would make you out to be, Ken? I know you you do answer that because you're not as consistent as you'd like to be. Do you think it's as drastic as is made out? I think we're four and two against top eight sides now. I haven't heard that mentioned to me once this year, whereas last year got mentioned quite regularly. And we've lost a game by three points. Um, you know, and there's a couple of games that we played below best, perhaps Essendon game, but. You know, at, at seven and four with a game behind most of the competition, we're, we're in a pretty reasonable spot for what this competition is, I think. But we haven't played our best footy, and I think that's the upside for us, hopefully. Are you a better team than last year? Yeah, I think we are. I think we're definitely a better team than last year, but we need to be better than we are currently. Otherwise, we, we may not look like that. And Ollie Wines dominated last night. Just give us a, an assessment of his game before I ask the next question. Outstanding performance by a person who'd put under a bit of pressure through the week. Um, and uh, he just shows that he's a, an absolute natural young leader. So he brought the pressure to him. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I, look, I didn't hear all the all the commentary around it, Jared. And I think it was yourself and someone else on SEN that that made some mention of it. But 
look, all I would say in the Ollie space is he has every right to take the time he needs to make a decision. I am really, really comfortable that Ollie will choose to stay at Port Adelaide. Um, have no doubt about that. But he is really, always has been, is really thoughtful of his family and what the whole family think of these, these decisions. I've no doubt that at some stage, Ollie, if he chooses to go back to Melbourne, it won't be for any other reason other than his family is the most important thing in his life. Outside of that, I think Port Adelaide runs a pretty close second. Are you less certain than you were two months ago when, when he was giving every indication that he was about to sign? I'm potentially going to sound stupid at some point. I hope I'm not, but I'm 100% certain that Ollie Wines will be at Port Adelaide next year. <laughs> I love that. Well done. In a week like this, do you have any conversation with him about it, Kenny? I said, oh, sometimes the way to handle some of the speculation and the pressure that's been put on you this week, whether you brought on some of that yourself or not, is to play good footy. And congratulations, son, you did a great job. Yeah, it's a good way to deal with it. Ch- Chad Wingard was the other one who, who I guess, it, with it, by his own admission, talked about some of his struggles, Ken, but you defended him pretty strongly post-match last night, and he certainly got out there and got plenty of the footy and got involved. Yeah, the special players, sometimes those special players, and, you know, Chad hasn't been in, the, in, the, in his absolute best form, but we look for all the things outside of their, their form to, to want to hit them with a little bit. Now, Chad has some, at times some body language that he would much rather not do. His disappointment gets shown too easily, perhaps, and that's the competitor that he is. But over the last month, if you look at our last month of football, Chad's been in our best handful of players, our best four or five players, three out of the four games. I get a little bit confused as to what the expectation is of Chad and the other great players, not just Chad Wingard. Some of the great players, I think, unfairly get marked really harshly on certain moments in games and not the whole game and, and, the, and, the, and the body of work. Do you think he, the fact that he's publicly said he, you know, he didn't love the game, he loved basketball more, and Kane Corns talked about it on air even last night, that, in the, that he felt that that's hurt him a little bit because he hasn't necessarily dedicated himself on the track until the balls come out. And when the balls come out, he's unbelievable. Yeah, look, he's, 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 I've been around plenty of players that are not dissimilar to Chad. And, you know, and, and I would say most of the boys who play football now would use the line that sometimes they don't always love the game better than something else that they've got going on. But it's, it's what they do, and it's what they love doing when they play. I don't have any problems. Chad loves game of football. He, he, he puts out a perception at times that it's not the most important thing, and football should never be probably the most important thing in anyone's life, if we're being fair. There should be other things that are, that are involved in your life that are much more important. But Chad, you know, he, he opens himself up by saying some of those comments, and as you always do, they come back and bite you occasionally. But he's been a pretty solid player for, for a 25-year-old, I reckon. Can I ask you, Ken, I mean, it's a massive job to play on Jack Revolt, and you've got a big kid down there. He's only youngish, but he's 199 centimetres, Dougal Howard. You've, you've got Tom Jonas, who's the most experienced down there. He's a big lad. Yet you opt for a 50-game player in Tom Clury to take on Jack Revolt. I, I, I was thinking, well, Jonas will get him, and he'll run with him around that forward line and up and down the ground, and... Yet you go with Clury. Can can I ask how that comes about in selection? And well done, because I thought the kid did really well. Jack, it wasn't disgrace. He was pretty good, but it was a wonderful battle. But Clury did really well. What what does he possess that makes you trust him against a champion? Uh, look, Dermy's played last line defence pretty much the entire time he's been at Port Adelaide, and, and that's at the sample level, which does give you a real challenge because in the sample level, there's some big hooers that go around and play in the goal square and and their hard work. Tommy Cleary's done really well in his, his development and his apprenticeship almost at that level. And his record on, on Jack is solid. 
albeit it's not outstanding. Jack still had a big influence last night. Yep. You know, and I think he's the right matchup. He's the right size. Jack gets around the ground. Clear is a massive, a massive runner too, as a, as a as a big back. He can get around, and he's got great balance left and right leg. If you watch him closely, he can kick the ball and find a mark really comfortably. And I think you've got to have a fair bit of composure to play on Jack. The one thing you've got to take from Jack is best you can is his jump. Cleary tends to compete really well in that space. That's amazing too because you mentioned that he's, he's balanced uh, on the other side of the body as well. He, he feigned onto the left foot a couple of times and, and then having seen his action on the left foot, I went, oh no, this could go anywhere. He kept getting the ball to the target on the non-dominant side, even though it's not the most pretty non-dominant kicking action. Yeah, he'd, ha- he'd have the best left foot probably nearly in our team for a, for a right footer, you know, he's He's wow. uh, just got great composure as a big fella, and he just, you know, he's grown up in the country, and I think he spent a lot of time kicking the footy, which is a great thing. Did you think that the centre bounce clearances in the second quarter? I know you still got to kick the ball through the goals, but the ability to pump it forward. If there was one area of the game, if you if you can, I know there's a hundred things you can break the the game down into, but but I just thought that was pivotal for you for, to separate the two teams. Yeah, and it was only a small margin in the game, you know, five minutes of the game that we were able to do that, and that's that's the key to winning most games, I reckon, is when you get your five or six minutes of time that you put repeat efforts into it, and you put repeat entries, and as you said, you kick a goal, you go back to centre bounce, it's 50-50, you've got to get it again, you know, and as I said, Ollie, Power Pepper, Rockcliffe, I thought they were all really good in there, and I thought Ryder again last night was pretty strong for us, so, you know, it was a really close game, it could have went either way, in the end, like last year's game against the Tigers, we always have good battles, we're just pleased to come out on top. Kenny, who's had the most input into your what you're going to wear down the slide on Monday? <laughs> the, the ice. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and that'll be that'll that'll expose itself when I'm uh, having my turn down the slide. You'll know I've spent a, thought a lot about the ice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we look forward to it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anyone got a last question for Ken before we... uh... Bid him farewell. No, we're done. No, I, right. I don't think Ken's going to be showing off his suntan down that slide. <laughs> Doesn't there. sound like it. Ken, congratulations on last night and in taking part on Monday. It should be a terrific day. We'll see you at the G. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. What changes we might see and how soon. This is crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Dermot Brereton, Bob Murphy, Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you. But let's uh, get a couple of quick calls from Tiger fans on last night. John's in Mill Park first. Uh, morning to you, John. Gents, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. What do you th- what are Look, your, what's your thoughts two, on Richmond? Things, you know, three things. I'm not concerned at all. Three things I just want to raise. And um, the first one is... We've lost in all the key areas in the game last night, yet we won three quarters out of the four. And really, in that last quarter, there, there were some fantastic opportunities at Richmond. And I totally agree with Dermot that they gave the ball away. I think, generally speaking, we've only been beaten and beaten soundly by one team interstate, and that was West Coast. Adelaide, we were in the game 10 minutes into the last quarter. But the second point I want to raise, I keep hearing, and it really does frustrate me, about Richmond's bottom eight. 
can you please tell me another team in the competition that has this outstanding bottom eight that we all need to be concerned about? Yep, fair call. Fair call. The point is that everyone's got a bottom eight. Richmond's just apply themselves to the job better than everyone else's bottom, let's say, bottom six. Okay. So you've got to have two of them on the ground at any one time. They, they were, I suppose, last year until we saw what they did. I mean, they were low possession players, and we, it took a while for everyone to probably realise their, their value. Too. I'll, I'll give you a little secret. There was times when you know, one of the three small forwards in, in Rioli, uh, Castagna, uh, Butler, uh, even Edwards comes into it, you know, playing forward, makes a fourth, you know, those pressure players. There were times when one or two of those guys did not lay, uh, uh, did not reach six possessions for the game. And within their own structure there, they were saying, maybe this kid should find a bit of the ball back in the seconds. And, uh, and I won't say which one, because that gives up the source, but I, I do know there was a couple of them said, no, they play if they're fit, they're regardless, because they give the pressure that is required for this team to keep functioning the way it is. So it was purely a structure-based selection panel that got them through and, and just served them so well. So uh, you, you mentioned which ones are, Hutto. You, you, you can look. Look, is a great example, and he's going to become a, a, an even better player through time. But even if he's only getting the ball, say, eight, nine times a game, his pressure rating's through the roof, and that's invaluable for the style that Richmond play. Quickly to Trout now, Wood End, for a really unbiased view. Morning to you, Trout. <laughs> Hello, boys. How are you going? Good, Good Trouty. Uh, look, I'm not worried at all. Meet your expectations that we must win every week. We had five premiership players out. Port had a good 10-minute period, right? And we played poor for, you know, on and off for most of the game. But yet we only lost by 14 points away. And I'll tell you why we played poor. Jeremy, you would have picked this up. How many times last night did you see Richmond guys go down to pick the ball up and take off before they actually grabbed it? Uh, overrun it, yeah. It happened. yeah. A couple of times it was noticeable, yeah. Right, yeah. Missed, goal, missed goals, dropped marks. They, they, we don't do that every week. We're entitled to have an off, off. That was an off game and we lost by 14 points. I don't, yeah, we're, we're not worried about Richmond, are we? No, no. The only if that's little, your flat... Little, no. worried about them. I yeah. we're being accused. <laughs> no, if that's your flat game, <laughs> you've got nothing to worry I about. My only little concern the with the Tigers is the uh, is their is their health. It's it's the first time I can think of in the last 18 months where they've... And, and then they're not major issues, but, but Hawley out is a big out at the moment. But it's the first time in 18 months where we've gone. Oh, oh, wow! They've got. They've just had a little bit of bad luck, and that that delicate ecosystem just takes the edge off them a, a tiny bit. They, they've got there. a big four matches coming up though: Geelong, Sydney, Adelaide, GWS. So it's a it's a big month ahead. True. So let's just uh, let's just keep an eye on it. It's going to be. It'll be physically taxing. Uh, so it's Geelong next there. week, yeah. Yeah, and then a bye. Then a bye. Okay. Yeah. Sydney will be taxing. All right. An injury update for Arnold, Thomas and Becker. Neil Baum says he expects Dusty to face the Cats next Sunday at the G, while David Asprey, uh, they're still not sure they'll do some tests on his, uh, I think it was an ankle, certainly a lower leg injury last night. Uh, Aaron Sandlin's failed a concussion test by a wide margin yesterday. <laughs> I like the, I'd like to know what by a wide margin <laughs> means. Was well, that a personal slight? <laughs> don't, don't ask any more questions. Just let the cobbles cobble there, Jerry. Hello. Have you done one of the responsive tests they use for... For I'm, concussion. I'm too scared to uh, do. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're interesting, to say the least. Yeah, Bob, the, the modernised ones, you, yeah, you yeah, obviously yeah, have. It's all the deck of cards where you, and you try and you try really, really hard. Yeah. Because you have to do a baseline test in the pre-season. 
Yeah. And so guys would be trying hard, thinking, you know, maybe if I, if I ace this test, maybe we'll get a call from NASA to say, you know what, <laughs> <laughs> there's, some, there's something special about you. When they we first... need your brain. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the competitiveness. But then when they first came in, it was still just in the, the three quarters of the way through my playing career. So we knew we were a good team. Nobody wanted to stay out with concussion. No. So we fudged our test. You'd, you'd actually close your eyes in between the pop-ups. That's so, I've, heard, so I've heard varying degrees of that conversation. Yeah. Too. So you'd, you'd the, sav- the savvy ones go, no, nah, no, nah, you just have yeah, a Yeah, just relax on that Take one. Take the edge off yeah, it. Yeah, give yourself an extra 20 <laughs> seconds here. And, and so when you had to do it for real during a match, no, nah, that's the same as it was pre-season. That's an insight into the intellect and stupidity of the football yeah, brain. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say... <laughs> no, no, no. As well, yeah. That, that yeah. was an injury update with a difference for Arnold <laughs> Thomas and Becker over 50 years' experience oh, yeah. in personal injury law. 40 Winks ladder update, of course. Uh, 40 Winks serious about sleep. Richmond remains second but could drop to fourth uh, if Melbourne and Sydney both win this weekend. They'd need substantial uh, percentage results for that to occur. Port Adelaide stays eighth but is still a chance to finish the round outside the eight if other results don't go their way. Jared, I think we'll, we'll explore in more depth the uh, discussion around uh, the game after midday, but could you just maybe just set us a, a bit of a feel for where the AFL is at in terms of timeline and, and what they're going to have to go through from here? You, you were, to be serious about it, part of, the, of one of the number of committees that seem to be formed to give a view and, and educate the AFL, and, and there's certainly no... There's certainly plenty of people that they're listening to at this stage. Yeah, so Thursday was one of the best learning experiences I've had in footy. And a couple of things we know is the AFL doesn't believe that evolution will see the game out of this phase because evolution has led us here. That's not a hunch. It's not a whim. It's a brilliant piece of research that David Rath has done. It's like a colour pot there, Jared. You you keep adding colours to it. You'll end up with a murky brown... And it'll never come back bright again. Ooh, like so that. the president—that's that, a change yeah. too, Jared, isn't it? it Certainly is. in terms of acting. I mean, up until now they've talked about evolution, and we know they've made some changes. And Adrian Anderson had his own research going back, but that is a substantial step. And intervention will come. It will come decisively, and it will come early. It will be announced in October, and I reckon there'll be a range of between two and nine measures. And they don't know the answers yet. So this game analysis group is gathering ideas. They're pressure testing the ideas that come forward. They've collected 35 so far that they have workshopped, and they're seriously working with nine of those, and they haven't finished that process yet. They'll have a group of recently retired players and a group of fans come through before they settle on on boiling them right down. But just let me... I just want to give you the the piece of research first because it starts with the 10 rules that were codified when the game became a game and only four of those remain and then it plots very specifically from 1960 onwards the changes in aesthetics the changes in rules the changes in tactics and style and the changes in physicality of footballers and it it makes the absolutely compelling case that evolution has brought us here and that is um is essentially done through um the prevalence of defensive systems at the expense of offence. So right now, defensive efficiency has gone through the roof and offensive efficiency is in significant decline. And there is no reason to think evolution will jolt that in the opposite direction from a period of time. And the other element that's been done is plotting the rule changes since 2003. There have been a series of what I think would be regarded as tinkerings. 
and they have had probably the opposite effect to what was intended and that they have specifically led us here as well. So if you just continue, if you take the theory that there's only one thing that needs to be done, they don't agree with that. Mm. And I think to sit in that meeting is to go, yeah, one thing is what we've kept trying tried to the, do. Tried the tinker, yeah. now it needs a... And that if these work, what it does is it stimulates tactics. It doesn't quell them or stifle them. What's happening at the moment is the bulking, the bulk of the coaching is going into defensively shutting down what the other team is trying to do. Which is easier to achieve yep. than being... Uh, because it's more about deploying troops into certain positions and they yeah, don't necessarily yep. rather than the, the be proactive. So yeah. the mantra is how do we break the game back open? And there's a couple of guiding principles. There's three, and these are really important. The changes have to be progressive. They are not trying to return the game to something that it's been in the past. The changes must be progressive. They must fit with the current charter of the game. So whether you agree with the charter or not, that's what was agreed on. It's what the commission put in place. So it takes off the table. There will be no zones. There will be no 16 aside. There will be no bonus point for 100 points. Is they That doesn't allow within the charter, and it must honour the heritage of the game. So we're not going to fundamentally move away from what footy has been through the years. Can we stop there? Uh, uh, um, um, Hutto and, and Bob, I'm, I agree with that. Bob? Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Don't, don't I, make... I, I don't mind it either, but I'm not sure that was enough put into the charter in the first place to make it that that is determined how we... So I reckon that'll be the second level conversation. If what's attempted here doesn't work over a period of time, then it'll be right. Revisit the charter. Let's revisit the charter. But I like that this group is not a group of free radicals who are going to change the game to something we've never recognised. They want the game to be the best that it can be and I think there's the general acceptance that at the moment it's not that. Can Can I ask you also, I mean, when you don't have the ball, the actions you take are regarded as negating yeah. But the more I watch football, and I wrote a, a, a couple of columns in my uh, article each week, tackling is now an attacking aspect of our game. So as we go along, let's pose these questions. Yeah. What can be fixed by umpiring? What can be fixed by tinkering with the rules? What can be fixed by interpretations, Hutto? Yeah, all right, we'll explore those. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply further when we return on crunch time we'll also catch up with the ceo of north melbourne carl delina a heap of off-field and on-field questions to come so plenty to get your teeth into as crunch time continues for honda's seven year save the award-winning crunch time for honda's seven year sale ends june 30. We gather in the aftermath of Port Adelaide's victory at home over Richmond last night. 14-point winners. What was learnt from it? Uh, Port Adelaide a top four team. Have Richmond got the wobbles at all? A testing month lies in wait. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you. Crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Dermot Brereton and Bob Murphy. Port standing first. Ken Hinckley has been our guest on Crunch Time. This is what he thinks. 
I think we're four and two against top eight sides. Now, I haven't heard that mentioned to me once this year, whereas last year it got mentioned quite regularly. And we've lost a game by three points. Um, you know, and there's a couple of games that we played below best preps Essendon game, but, you know, at, at seven and four with a game behind most of the competition, we're, we're in a pretty reasonable spot for what this competition is, I think. But we haven't played our best footy, and I think that's the upside for us, hopefully. I think we're definitely a better team than last year, but we need to be better than we are currently, otherwise we, we may not look like that. The coach unequivocal by comparison to last year where they finished fifth and blew their elimination final. Are they, Bob, definitely better than the 2017 version? I think so, yeah. And I, and I think even you can you can hear in the timbre of an old back flanker's voice there that the criticism last year of being flat-track bullies, you know, that that leaves a bit of a mark. So um, whilst he acknowledged some issues with consistency, I think I think we, we, we hear a lot just from Ken that he thinks they're better. They're better. They've, rec- they've recruited better. They've had their inconsistent patches. But when you consider Motlop's ability to come in and win that game, even though, even though he didn't have a great game in the in the uh, showdown, the individual moment suggests they've got somebody capable of that moment now. Uh, and now they've got that. You know, three weeks in a row, Rockliffe found the ball 35 mm. times. They've got somebody there to stand next to. Uh, Boke, Wingard, Wines, Wines Pollock. Uh, yeah, and so you know that they're better in the midfield again. So, yeah, they're a better, better unit than last year. They do have more inconsistency. Notwithstanding Ken's comment about we've, what are they, four and two against top eight teams? Notwithstanding that... They're a whole lot worse against teams outside the eight. So the inconsistency... Yes, let's look at it from that, that angle. Wasn't, that wasn't on his notepad. No, that no. wasn't there. We don't notice that. Ollie... Adelaide aren't in the eight either, by the way, anymore. Okay. Is Not counting there? I reckon he is. Probably. <laughs> no, from last year's eight. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, well, last year's eight's different again then. Yeah, all right. He's, counting, he's counting North Melbourne, I think. And... Hey, just while we're sitting here in the box looking out at an oval and don't have that stat at our fingertips, we're believing him, Hutto. Okay, I'm just challenging. <laughs> Ollie Wines has set himself up with this. He's had a holding statement two to three weeks. He's going to sign in two to three weeks. That was a couple of months ago. Which is which was Neil Barm's holding statement it, on it Brad Ollie for about five right. years, wasn't it? <laughs> I did bring that to mind. So he's got the... He did make the concession this week that he actually hasn't decided. But Ken Hinckley is absolutely certain how this is going to pan out. All I would say in the Ollie space, he has every right to take the time he needs to make a decision. I am really, really comfortable that Ollie will choose to stay at Port Adelaide. Um, have no doubt about that, but he is really, always has been, is really thoughtful of his family and what the whole family think of these, these decisions. I've no doubt that at some stage, Ollie, if he chooses to go back to Melbourne, it won't be for any other reason other than his family is the most important thing in his life. Outside of that, I think Port Adelaide runs a pretty close second. I'm potentially going to sound stupid at some point. I hope I'm not, but I'm 100% certain that Ollie Wines will be at Port Adelaide next year. <laughs> so not I love that. Yeah. yeah, he wore his heart on this. So that's, I think he was fantastic the way he conducted the nature of that that interview about his player. Then he's, It's a bit he, juicy, though, isn't it? No, he showed so much hope. He showed a human emotion of a coach, being very confident and... When it, when and if it does happen that he doesn't end up at Port Adelaide next year, well, he can guffaw and say, well, I never saw that coming. <laughs> did, did, did we read anything into him saying about him returning for family that it might not, if he does sign, it might only be for a couple of years, a Josh Kelly-style thing? Or do you think it'll be a, a long-term, this is my big contract to make a big dollars sort of deal? 
Uh, oh, hard to say. My, my gut would be that at his age and at his standing, and a lot of what we hear is that he's almost ordained as, you know, the next captain of, yep. of Port Adelaide. I would expect it to be a a bigger, a longer, longer-term deal, one of those five-year kind of deals. But but I, but I don't know, Dan. What do you think? Well, I think he's from a Chuka. Have you ever been to a Chuka? He ain't coming home to live in a Chuka. <laughs> a Chuka is one of those places where, unless you've got a ski boat, you're driving through it. And good afternoon to all our friends in the Chuka that are listening too. What a great spot the for fishing, and boating, and did, skiing. Jared, do you think? Do you think? You got on the paddle steamer, the, wouldn't you, Dern? I have. I was seven. What was that show with the paddle steamer? Uh, I don't know. All, all the rivers, rivers, all rivers run. run. Well done. <laughs> well done. Yes. Jared, do you think the the Ollie wine, the comment about that he hasn't decided, do you think that was just a, one last little play, play just to squeeze, just to bump them up a few extra uh, dollars and it just got a, a, a bigger on him than what he thought it would be? Maybe. Or do you think the offers have grown in the, in the I meantime? Think, I think what will have happened is there's something from somewhere that's caused him some pause. To hesitate. Yep, from a, a point where he was very comfortable two months ago that it was as good as done and he was comfortable in his mind uh, that a couple of months have passed. I bet there's something on the table from elsewhere that's just causing him a bit more thought than so he who, had. It could also be too that, I mean, it's every player's God-given right to maximise his earning potential and his manager might say, yeah, hey, Ollie, we know you're going to stay there. You know they're going. They know you're going to stay here. You just hold out, and I'll give you an extra twenty-five. I mean, that'll pay for a new car, mate. Yeah, it could be something as simple as that. Twenty-five wouldn't pay for a new car for you, Dan. Get a couple of wheels. It, which team would? Have, which team would most? If, if there is this mother of all offers, which team would most logically be making that? Do you think? Seventeen of them, Hutter. He's a good player. Mm. Yeah, who wouldn't want Ollie I think White? the team that was most uh, logically linked to him for whatever reason was Essendon, Essendon weren't they? Yeah. 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 So did they get really proactive when they heard Ollie say, I'm about to sign and and put something that's caused pause? That, and that, and yeah. maybe a reassessment of where they're at? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't doubt that Ollie's intention was to stay at Port Adelaide and probably still is, but there's some reason that he hasn't signed over the past couple of months. Uh, So the last one is Richmond. If Richmond were forced to play without Dustin Martin for a period of time, would that cause us to reconsider their prospects? Yes. Because just as I said, the Motlop individual moment in the the, uh, showdown got them across the line. Dustin Martin, apart from being one of the absolute stars, if not the star of the competition, there are moments in a match where Richmond are very tight against the opposition and he separates them. He gives them that difference between the opposition and and uh, the Tigers. Can I extend that then and ask who would they be better equipped to go into a final series without, Dustin or Rance? Much of... Your turn, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think even 50-50, right on the fence. Pickets on that one. I think they're both so integral. I mean, every every footy team is an ecosystem, but part of the signature of Richmond in the last 18 months has been they've been relatively unchanged, and that 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 human chemistry. That's why Alex Rance was, you know, quite controversial with his comments about Tom Lynch because he knows they they'd hit on something very very uh, very unique. So when you you change little bits of that, like Hawley going out changes that. So I think you take Martin or Rance out, and it has a dire, dire consequences. 
Anthony. No, that's right. I, was, I thought you were going to chip in. No, no, I, no, I didn't want to that. ask for another comparison. That was, that was Bob's turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the NBA is happening at the moment. Game four. So Cleveland have to win this at home to keep it alive. They're trailing by five points in the second quarter. The Warriors 52. The Cavs 47. Oh, that's Do you want a, us to comment on that? I've got no <laughs> idea. I, I just want to make one. So that that's a, means officially that LeBron James is not as good as Michael Jordan. <laughs> Don't start. <laughs> Don't start. We're going to have the North Melbourne Chief Executive, Carl Delina, with us in the box shortly. The VFL game happening in front of us, Geelong 19-10-124 to North Melbourne 1-5-11. Can you go through one. the goal kickers and better players, Jerry? So this is a Geelong side that's got Henderson returning. He's been playing down back and he's taken a couple of contested and intercept marks. Uh, it's got Cam Guthrie, who's been out for the majority of the season, having his first hit out. It's uh, Zach Guthrie's playing as well. Gregson's running around, and Scott Silward is the other player making his return through here. So there's uh, it's the hyphen boy who keeps coming in yeah, when Holland they're Smith. and Smith. He's out there running around as well. So it probably yeah. gives a picture of Geelong's depth, and I don't know whether that contrasts with North Melbourne's as well. As uh, they just picking up a couple got of three. injuries. They've now. got three players out there that I can spot North Melbourne in their Magoos, and that's Big Prusy, Taylor Garner, and Nathan Rovat. And they're probably the three most prominent players for North Melbourne, which, which suggests, gents, that if they get injuries, mm. they're going to be going down fairly deep into the list. They've only played 29 players this season. And they acknowledge that, don't they? That yeah. one of the secrets to what they've been able to do is having the Stay best healthy. 25 yeah. in contention. So they come here without weight and without Anderson. Oh, they got well. Clark too. Uh, what's his name? Ryan Clark. He's out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So while we wait for Carl Delina, let's do a little bit of... Um, so what is going to happen to the game? So there's the theory of it and the evolution of it, but what are the potential changes? So there won't be zones and there won't be 16 aside and there won't be a 100-point bonus. There... There are variations of starting points, which I think are, are extremely prominent in this conversation. So 6-6-6 six, six, and six at um, bounces after goals. And then what's the combination of your six? Is it two back in the goal square and four? Or is it just six in uh, behind, half back, half forward? And then there are proposals around um, stoppages around the ground and what you have to keep mm. potentially inside your 50 or inside your forward line. And those, there's all sorts of variations of those at the moment. I think that's the greatest depth of discussion. But as we sit here now... So that's not zones. No, no. So you can still run anywhere once the ball is in play. But at the moment, when it's going to be balled up, back you go to your... Same as TAC Cup. They'll have a variant on that. Can I ask you, firstly, was there discussion as to the fitness of today's players, the overall fitness, and therefore, by extension of that, the amount of interchange? So interchange is very prominent so I think that's one of if there's two four six things that are done restricting the interchange will be one of them uh, what, what, what's the current view on the effect that will have Jared um, it, I think it's a bit of a um, the game's moved here while interchange has been exploding so when you put that yep and then say you likened it to a player like who was the player um, a Shane Crawford so they plotted Shane Crawford's career and how he would work his opponents over, and then once he physically broke his opponent, that is when he would really come to his own. Yep. But interchange has quelled yep. the, the capacity for that to be a full advantage. We had that conversation several weeks ago about the likes of Rob Harvey. Mm. Would, would, would break the spirit of his opponent 
and thereafter he'd run around at will. That was a, there was a whole generation of those Scotty West with us with yeah. Disco, you and I. And that player doesn't exist anymore. Take him into because, the deeper water. Yeah, because they just, they just put another man on shift and say, run with him. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it's quite the, you know, some people have the view fatigue them and the last quarter opens up. Well, there's no real documented proof that that happens. And this group is trying to work with evidence-based material. So they, they, they've framed it a different way is the interchange has lessened the capacity of that group of players to be able to dominate mm-hmm. in the way that they used to. So that's sort of the evidence base to that. It, it, the documented evidence also is the likes of Shane Crawford, Nathan Buckley, Rob Harvey, those blokes would run. 18 would be a good solid mm. kilometres during the game. Some of them would reach 20 to 21 kilometres when they were running incredibly those players now if they were playing they'd be running 14s and 15s 14, yeah, but it'd be more explosive yeah so the depth and the breadth of the research is absolutely impressive so that's probably one of the things I'd like to say is you know when we raise this topic and everyone rings up we've all got one idea yes yeah. this is not a group that's dealing with one idea and I, and I'm looking for the silver bullet to solve the game and that's what was so impressive about it. One of the ideas which I actually think we will see is in the first 10 rules, the kick in happened 18 yards out. So we have a nine yard goal square now? Uh, yes, it is. Nine metre. It used to be 18 yards. Is we're going to see a bigger goal square come back. They're going to. Oh, wow. This is the one thing I think that will happen from where the game started. And huh. the idea being, if you can visualise it, is instead of you are twice as likely to get scored against on a kick-in as you are likely to score because the ball can't clear the congestion. Yep. So by moving the goal square out to 18 yards is the ball's, if you want to... The ball's going to land in the centre square. Yeah, yeah. Which opens up the, the volatile space. I've never heard that about the 18 Yeah, yard. I didn't know that either. And so it was when was that? Up. Back in the so steam engine days? Who brought it back? At the very start. Yeah. So, no. and at last yeah, KB the, played under those. Yeah. So those 10 <laughs> codified <laughs> rules, yeah. uh, which we've only kept four, one of those is the kick-in was 18 yards out. And I, I truly think that's what we will see. How did it get to 18? What does that... What was that was significant? Is uh, was there six metres between... Uh, you're asking questions I can't answer. Point post to goal post, goal post to the far point post, and therefore... Is there any that down... was 18? I don't know. Is there any downside to that, Jared? I mean, the only one I can think of is the desire then to rush behinds will come back, but if we're strong on that, then that answers that. Yeah, so we have a rule in place to, to try to quell that already. Yeah, there... So part of what's been done in the idea stage is then they're pressure testing each of the things that so they put through. How so are they pressure testing? Um, they're trying to coach against them. So in the room are the likes of James Podziadley, who's just out of the coaching system, uh, David Rath, who was uh, yep. extremely prominent with Quite Alistair fun. Clarkson. So the, the nine, so they've got 35 ideas in all, nine they're really working on hard while still gathering. Can you just, for the aesthetics of the game, get them to when they do kick in, can you get them to clear the chalk of the line rather than tap it on their own boot inside the goal square? I don't know why that ever went out. Surely the ball must travel to the outside of the goal square. Kick it up and over. You've got to ca- if you want to catch it, catch it on the other side, on the outside. They won't Takes need to do that as much. a tiny bit of skill. Bigger square, will they? They won't need to... If it, just well, they've got, to the they got the a better chance to get away with it now, but at least make them do it. Uh, and then there's, say, the last touch out of bounds, which is a, a more contentious one. So I Ooh. think there are, there are some that 
uh, will find their way mm. into the game next year. And then there are some that have been hotly debated. And clearly, uh, Malcolm Blight brought this very heavily to the table. It's already in the thinking. It's already been trialled in competitions like the Sandful. The evidence suggests that what you gain in the reduction of boundary throw-ins, you simply pick up as stoppages around the At the, the other end from the kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are, yeah, they're being thrashed around. It's, and It's exploitable too, that one, though. Yeah, so they'll all be exploitable to a degree, but will it help? How do we break the game back open? So that's the, everything falls under that mantra. It's I don't love you that. I, the congestion? I, 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 I've always liked the idea of the starting points. I know people are paranoid about it being like, um, zones, but no, I, I like. I'm with you, Hutto. I like. I like the starting points. I just got to last, test the functionality of it, and I the think last we can touch out of bounds. That one. I don't like that either, Bob. That starts to feel a bit like PE at school. <laughs> it's, it's more. Is it more last kick, Jared, than last touch? No. Well, I, there are variations within. So I didn't get walked through the whole detail of that. I just know that that's one of the ones that sort of made it through the first layer and into the yep. second layer. Have, of we, the have we got any idea, Jared, yet when we see it on the field with? clubs training for it or exhibition matches what will happen is uh, the game analysis group will take a set of recommendations to the competition committee and then on to the commission with the intention no not the intention with the timeline of straight after the season finishes in october this is what will be announced so that everybody's got the full um off season to work on so the clubs and the coaches and the players all have the full whack of time to deal with them to strategize around them and to present them as the game is played. So some of most of it has already been tested one way or another. So the starting points have been tested at the TAC. So there's a piece of vision that you can watch, and then there's a whole bunch behind that. The last touch out of bounds has been tested at the Sandful. So they've got evidence as to what that looks like. And then there, there'll, be ju- there'll be judgment calls which then go through two layers. So this group won't get its way. The... The commission ultimately makes the decision and the competition committee on the way through. I can't believe Blighty didn't bring to the table on the boundary line issue. Get do away with the boundary line. Pad the fences to about waist height and put up ice hockey per clear view and the ball never goes out. You can slam blokes into the corner and just keep it rolling. If that's the way it goes, you definitely played in the wrong year. You were born born to play a football ice hockey hybrid. Like the rock in the movie Tooth Fairy, the kids movie, where it just goes around. You spend your time in the sin bin. How do you think the public will deal with this, Jared. If the public could see the presentation that uh, I was shown, and hopefully the AFL will do this when the time is right, I think you'd go, oh yeah, this is is an outstanding depiction of the game as to where we are, and how we got here, and the and the way out of it. So we we have been, you know, the defensive mechanisms have been perfected by the influx of, of intelligence, technology, and coaching. So the game has a right to deviate out of that, and the only way to get out of it is to pull the levers within the game. It's like the, the, the evolution of this game has been like watching a family member's hair grow. At the end of the year, <laughs> it's long and unruly, but each day you don't notice the change, and it's just it's, it's the rules get massaged or non-massaged. And the one I started telling you before, we reward 4%. 4% of tackles with holding the ball. 
That's a skill of the game, and it's an attacking skill these days. What did it used to be, Jim, do you think, if it's oh, 4% now? 20%. You reckon it was that much yeah, difference? Yeah, absolutely. You get caught with the ball, we used to get pinged, and you know what? We all accepted it. We didn't exploit it. There was a... There was a, a, an honesty in a really brutal era. There was an honesty about it, the way we went about it. There were various elements. Can I ask too, Jared, we see players when the ball goes out of bounds and they walk past and they slam their shot. Was it Nathan Broad last night? Every time the ball went out of bounds, he'd walk up and slam somebody in the shoulder and hope that he got punched in the throat or something like that. So he got a free kick. Mm. Can we can we somehow stop blokes walking up and bumping into other people? Is the 25 the metre dead? rule going to come in, Jared, rather than 50? <laughs> Not that I'm. Oh, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't see that part of the presentation, so I don't know the answer to that. Have okay. you watched junior footy and seen kids walking around when the ball gets boundary line or ball up, and they start bumping into? The opposition being tough guys. Yeah, so there's, there's it's, two, it's, it's appalling. There's We've got to stop it. Yeah. What does what do the what do we do with the rules, and then what do we do with the uh, umpiring? Yeah. Uh, and so and they are linked because we've had this bump in free kicks this year, six a game historically. That is a big bump, and it's done nothing to relieve. Yeah. You know, we're we're at the worst point of, of the congestion. Yeah. Yeah. So that hasn't worked in isolation. But melded in together, I think you've got a possibility. Hello, when you see Tim Warner, who weighs in, mm. the head of Channel 7, uh, and the, the two bodies which provide the most money, Seven and Foxtel, when, when Tim's happy to weigh in publicly, um, do you think that's that feels like a moment as well, I reckon? Yeah, and clearly this is discussions have been going on behind closed doors. Probably more informal than formal, but there is a, a brutal reality to it for, for Seven, isn't there? Obviously, with, with Fox, uh, we're you know, subscription-based and we have we don't have commercials during play. But with Seven, and, and I can remember in my old days at Channel 10, it was you, you would post-game, you know, the executive producer David Barr would be grumpy because the game was too low scoring, and, and it, we've got to squeeze these commercials in. And that is a, a, there's a definite relationship, and there's no doubt that that then affects the potential value of the next set of rights, albeit that it's you know, four, four years away. So they're the sort of things that will make the AFL act, and clearly they've had an influence already on that. So it's pretty logical, isn't it, when you think about it? Yeah, and I sort of feel like we're, there is still a group that goes leave the game alone, but I feel like that group is dwindling by the week in the mm. season that we're getting. And but, we're not leaving the game alone. It's, the evolution is not solving the problem and evolution is not going to be allowed to solve the problem. Yeah, I think, I mean, what you've explained has been terrific, and I think it'll be interesting to see how well the AFL, and I'm sure they will, do their best to communicate that to everybody. So looking forward to that. I've got a question I'm going to pose uh, when we, uh, after, hopefully after we speak to the CEO of the Kangaroos shortly, Carl Delina will be around injuries and whether that is a, is a big issue as congestion in the game. When you, when you go through the list of players that are going to miss this weekend's round of footy. It is quite startling. In fact, I'll give you the names now. We can discuss this later. These are the players that are going to miss this round of footy. Dustin Martin, Jake Lever, Rory Sloan, Brad Crouch, Rory Laird, Toby Green, Tom Scully, Mark Murphy, Charlie Cameron, Aaron Sandlins, Daniel Menzel, Harry Taylor, Lockie Henderson, David Zaharakis, Joe Danaher, Jamie Elliott, Darcy Moore, Sam Reid, Jack Darling, Tom Lynch, Stephen May, Stephen Canelio, Grant Birchall, Mitch McGovern, Mitch Robinson, Sam Doherty, Ben Reid, Harley Bennell, the Hill Brothers, Cockatoo, Guthrie, Scott Selwood, Aaron Hall, Cade Collajasny, Delidio, Cyril Rioli, Jared Waite, Basha Hooley, Jaron Geary. 
Dylan Roberton, Callum Mills, Luke Shuey, Tony Lib- uh, not Tony Libertari, <laughs> Tony, <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony Oh, he's, Lee he's Matthews. Missing too. He's out. And, yeah. Yeah. and Pickin. Rob Murphy. That's an incredible Bundy. list, isn't it? Yeah, when we sit there and talk about the lack of depth in the competition or that we don't have enough players, well, rattle me off that list and go, if, if everybody's fit wow. and playing. Yeah. And added to that, I, I Lincoln McCarthy it. is out for Geelong. James Parsons will come in. So the Cats have made another late change. North will be unchanged for their yeah, match. Yeah, and, and where's your problem? What's the problem? Well, uh, no, I'm not. I'm just right. Um, the problem is that we, that is one of the reasons that we talk about how the game's being played if the best players aren't playing it, Dan. Okay. All right. so, Don't you a, agree? Yeah, agreed, yeah. But it, it's a... It's always been a robust game. I know, and I'm not. I'm not saying there's an answer. I'm just. Do you, do you think if we somehow, uh, through the the new committee, make a more um, aesthetically pads on, pleasing uh, game? Pads on fences, Dern. That'll that'll do it <laughs> yeah. all. Just play on. I love it. The best suggestion of the year. I'll make a comeback. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Hopefully, well, the CEO of the Kangaroos to join us next. This is crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. More great analogies coming up from Derm. Uh, great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. The next match for consideration is at Cadinia Park, where Geelong and North Melbourne are going to go out at two teams at seven and four, and much at stake at GMHBA Stadium. North Melbourne have been one of the good news stories of the season. Not to be underestimated, not to be treated with condescension anymore. They are legitimate, and their chief executive, Carl Delina, is with us on Crunch Time. Carl, welcome. Uh, thanks, Jared. Great to be here. Give us your summary of the season through 11 games. Oh, well, I think uh, it's, it's pretty obvious the way we'd be feeling at the moment. It, it, things have gone well. Uh, managed to keep uh, most of our list healthy, which is positive. Um, some of the, um, a couple of guys coming back from long-term injuries has helped. But also uh, some of the younger guys stepping up and probably having career best seasons so far has, has been a real positive. So when you look across the board, I think you know, we're pretty happy with a lot of things that are going on at the moment. A better position than you imagined? Yeah, look, I... I probably was a bit of an outlier suggesting we could make finals you know, before the start of the season. I still thought we had a good quality list and if we kept people together uh, we we're going to be competitive. So I'm not totally surprised. I'm very pleased as to where we've got to, that's for sure. Um, but I think we have surprised a lot in the media and the public as to how we've gone. Is your medical staff, your fitness and conditioning staff, you must be doing cartwheels over how good they've <laughs> gone this year. Yeah, look, they've been, we've, we've, apart from the last couple of years, you know, we've had a pretty good run, really, and, and particularly things like soft tissues, where we've done a lot of work on injury prevention and probably over the last eight years had the best rate, you know, lowest rate in the competition. Yeah. So, so that's always been a core focus. But then when you have the collision injuries, which you can't really avoid, you just have those bad patches. Um, and we had a bit of a patch like that. Um, last year we were struggling. Uh, but now with everyone fit, it, it makes a hell of a difference, as probably like Richmond and Adelaide in previous years have seen. You go, you, you, your team has, I mean, just to plot the journey, a couple of years ago, I think you were zero and, oh, sorry, 11 or 10 and zip, were you, at the halfway mark? Uh, yeah, we went, won the first nine. Nine, nine yeah. and zip. And then it fell away a bit, and it was it's from the outside viewing in. It looked like you actually, the summation was, we're probably, we had our go, we topped up with mature players. Let's cut right back. You've cut right back, and although things are going really well, 
You've only used, I think the second time I said it today, 29 players. Yep. You've got the most continu- uh, continuity of any list. You've had 15 players play every game. We don't know. We hope it doesn't go this way. But you're only a couple of injuries away from getting into some really underdeveloped kids, if I can be polite as I can about saying that, looking at the reserves here. Have you overcorrected and gone pure youth? I mean, you're holding up because of your medical staff and your durability at the moment, but have you overcorrected? Yeah, look, I don't think that, that was all part of the process and the plan and, and probably why people didn't think we'd go as well this year. Um, yeah, we, we were trying to rebuild part of our list or, you know, bring some talent through, through the draft, through trading, um, always knowing that, hey, if we've got a few injuries, we're going to be really tested because we don't have the depth at the moment. So you were going to accept that? Yeah. So the, the, this year, next year, was all about building that depth. Yeah. And that, that's what we're continuing to do. So fully recognise that. I like the fact that you've cut out all the deadwood, all the drifters, all the, you've jettisoned all the junk, and <laughs> James Brayshaw was first to go. Yeah, yeah, I saw him in the box next door. It's, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's nice to have a fresh start, as they say. You know? Giving it to him. <laughs> so, Carla, it's been much spoken about the war chest that you've got. How real is that? Yeah, it, it gets a bit overcooked. Uh, the the fact is you have to spend between 95 and 100% of your salary cap each year. If you're at 95%, you can bank that for three years. Um, and you can only go to a maximum of 105. So what it means is you can have a two-year window where you're spending 105 and then you've used it up. So if you're putting people on two-year contracts, yeah, it's great. But usually if you're getting a free agent or a trade, it's a much longer-term period. So we don't get too excited about that little blip that you might have. It's more about longer-term planning. So how damaging or how dangerous can you be in October? Um, as dangerous as we'd like to be, I think. Um, you know, you saw what we were up to last year. Um, yeah, similar thought process, but we're pretty selective. It's you, know, you get painted in the media sometimes as a scattergun approach, but that's just because it's convenient to throw the names of certain clubs into the mix for anyone who's on the market. Yeah, we, we don't operate like that, um, but we're pretty focused on the sort of things we want to do. Have you chosen one or two targets? Uh, we, there's, yeah, there's certainly been discussions that happen you know, all through this time of the year with managers and different people. So you explore what the opportunities might be at this time of year. Um, and then it sort of ramps up if there's interest toward later in the year. And you're Cal- not, sorry, Cal, can, uh, sorry to butt in. Can, do you think if you'd been even more optimistic with your, uh, what you might have been able to achieve this year, that you might have been able to get Dusty or jo- Josh Kelly over the line? Yeah, good, good point. I think, um, yeah, the, your on-field performance is really important or, or, you know, the way you're heading, I think, with your, you know, what, what your potential is to play finals. Um, last year, we probably weren't so much in that category and, blokes we went after seem to develop into the best players in the competition <laughs> and win flags so that doesn't help either so when you, when you look around you, you need to be competitive and you don't want to be seen to be going backwards you so want that to be, really helps for this year doesn't it oh most definitely you, you know you've got to be an attractive proposition and, and people have got to see the potential for your playing finals in future years has anyone from your club approached ollie wines management uh don't know Oh, that's a lie. Shouldn't that's you know? a lie. I do know, but we, 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 we I, I don't ever like to comment on specific individual players. And if I say yes or no, and then I'm going to have to say that for everyone, so I'll just say no comment. That's an accidental yes. You understand? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> so what what do you want, Cal? Broadly speaking, what do you want? Who are, who what what category of player are you targeting? Uh, well, I think what we've been trying to look at is is building the depth of our midfield. Six foot uh, three midfielders. Yeah, with yeah, big quads. Yeah, they used to be key <laughs> position players. Now they're midfielders. Uh, but but that's been the primary focus. And and there might be a you know a, a defender or others that are on the edge of that. But the primary focus is really around the midfield, um, building that depth out. And are you happy to offer five, seven, nine-year contracts? Oh yeah. Look, I think anything's anything's an option. You know, when you look at players, depending on their age, their profile. Um, we're, we're quite comfortable with the concept of, of long-term deals. Carl, I want to talk to you about the belief in the in the North Melbourne Footy Club at the moment, and everyone's jumping on board now. The romantic story of the year, but I imagine internally that over the summer months, when you know there was a lot of predictions, and our oh, North Melbourne will be down the bottom in the bottom two, and I described it during the week as the Kangaroos have got a, a healthy chip on their shoulder of proving of proving people wrong and embarrassing some of those predictions. What is a what is an opportunity today present a wind in Geelong down the highway? Yeah, look, I th- I th- it, it's huge, I think, because when you when you look at it, you want to measure up against the, the best opposition in the toughest environments, um, and, and our our players are really thriving on that this year. You know, taking up the challenge. Uh, as you said, there's a great belief, and some of the players coming through playing some really good footy after you know maybe a couple of years not so good footy. So, yeah, to play down here against Geelong in tough conditions, you know, a hostile crowd, really, really important just to keep building on that self-belief for our players. And is Brad coaching better than he ever has? Oh, totally. Um, I've always had a lot of respect for Brad, but I think this year he's probably taken it to another level. Uh, and, and I think he's been prepared to take a few risks and change things up a bit. You look at Magic playing down back, Jack in the forward line. Um, Wadey's switching around the place. So I think some of the things he's done and experimented with have really shown a bit of maturity and confidence as a coach, I think. How significant was it to re-sign him towards the end of last year? Uh, look, for me, it was critical. Um, I, I just know the character. Uh, I've worked with him for a number of years. And, you know, there's a bit of outside noise around the time, but um, I was always very focused on signing him, as was, you know, Ben and Arch, the other guys involved in the committee on the board. So... I think it's been a really great result and positive for the club. How much would he like to beat his brother today, do you think? Oh, yes. There's a, <laughs> some great rivalry between the twins and uh, super competitors, both of them, as you'd know. So, yeah, yeah, uh, this would be a key game for Brad today. Carl, good to have you with us. Uh, enjoy the afternoon. SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 13. I think he was a bit disappointed when Adelaide came out and said at one stage that the deal was nearly done because it was a fair way off of being done. So, yeah, the longer it goes, you tend to see players move clubs. So I think he's got to get back in and prove not only to himself but maybe club suitors that he needs to that his body's up to it and, and can do it. That is, I, I reckon there'll be a few clubs sitting back watching to see how his second half of the season goes before making any big call. That was Bernie Vince during the week on Rory Sloan, a former teammate and friend of his. It leads the crunch. It, the intrigue builds around Rory Sloan having not played since round four. So what's he worth to Adelaide? What's he worth somewhere else? What's his state of mind? It's hard to believe a player of his calibre that the back half of a season could determine 
his worth. How do we read Rory Sloan's predicament right now? Um, it's hard to get a read on. It's really hard to get a read. How old is Rory now? 29? About yeah, that? So. Yep. Yeah, pretty close to that. Yeah, I'm not too sure. What's your, what's your gut instinct on that, Derm? The longer it goes, the more I think he's he's probably going to go. I think, he's, I, I think he'll stay. And I'm just... I've met Rory about two or three times, like we most of us do. We get to say hello and shake his hands, ask him, how's your team going? How's your form? How's your injury? Blah, 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 blah. We don't really know him. So all we base it on is the way he plays football. Yep. And that is a team-committed, team-first kamikaze attitude and we assume that team is everything to him so we assume he's going to probably sign on it's just how we read history with other players who haven't signed ten to three yeah, out of every that's, four that's more mine yeah the, 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 the... three out of every four who don't sign on tend to leave their club and we pro- that's probably what's clouding the, the situation i'll tell you what it, it so lucky for uh, the Crows that they signed Bryce Gibbs. Without him, they, they've mm. really fallen away with the Crouch brothers missing a major part of it, Rory missing a major part of it, obviously Brody Smith off the back flank as well. They, they, they wouldn't want to go and get Bryce Gibbs though, and then lose Rory. Smith, no, I know, but I'm saying had they not got yeah. him, yeah. imagine where they'd be now. So how serious do you think other teams would be? And, and to Jared's point, do you think his value will be determined... I mean, to me, his value will be determined more by his... Ha- as long as he's running around and playing half-decent footy and he's, there's no long-term injury prognosis on him, then... Well, as long as, as, yeah, as, long as there's a not, you, a, yeah. not a long-term prognosis Degenerative on sort him, of yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I everybody will back themselves in to get him fit. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree if, with that. I don't think, think they're doing too much damage. No. Well, can I can I ask on the back of that then? Adelaide, it's just fascinating. It always seems to be Adelaide players we're talking about, but... Is Tom Lynch expendable from Adelaide because of their forward stocks? They've got Fogarty coming through. We know they've got McGovern, they've got Walker, they've got Jenkins. Could they, you know, with a good draft, and clearly from what they've offered him, he's not happy. Is he expendable? Uh, you, you, your number one rule is to keep your best players, but there becomes a financial consideration on it at the end of the day as to how expendable they are. So it, we don't know. Figures somebody's going to bandy some around and give us a, a sort of an estimation in the ballpark. Uh, I think he wanted three years and they offered him two, and the money wasn't as much anywhere near as much as what he was expecting. Well, for, for in terms of settled on their setup in the forward line, Adelaide still right now. If you know that they have a setup that works. They've been, had injuries and locks, but they're, they're, what are they, 106% at the moment? So, not playing. You know, there's injuries come into that as well, but. I guess on the last surface year, of it you too. You thought that, you could lose one. This yeah. year, you're sort of thinking, no, you, you don't want to and lose I, one. I, I sort of think on the surface of it too, you think, well, they've got three big key forwards, so they could probably lose one, but. But Lynch is the one that offers something so different that he is a, he, he, he's the connector. Yeah. yeah so some teams go into it. more stay at home. But Bob, you'll also get uh, 17 other clubs. Nine of them will say, "Let's stop Lynch," and it stops getting in there. And then another eight will go, uh, "We can put our third or fourth defender on him and keep pushing him up the ground. He can't harm us up there." let's make sure we stop Eddie Betts close to goal or let's stop Walker. So some clubs would rate him, just the way they view the sport, would rate him higher than others 
might do. Um, th- 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 without doubt, when you're under pressure, his ability to connect to the back line and not being there to do that has hurt them. Mm. Does any part of Brownlow eligibility, be it suspension or be it votes post-suspension, be need to be reviewed in light of Matt Fife? Not for me, no. No, but players don't really think about it. Well, the ones I know who've been close there about don't really think about it pretty well until their last game of the season. I heard it during the week. I, th- I found it interesting. I'd never really thought about it. I found it interesting, but I don't, I don't know if it's such a big deal that we need to change it to make a big rule change like well, that. Well, one of the changes suggested was that once, yeah, as you alluded to, Jerry, once you're, you've suspended, you can't get votes. But surely that then impacts the fairness of the rest of the award. Yeah, yeah that, that part can't work because if you're the best player on the ground, somebody else is getting three votes. Yeah. That's... Like, there's a couple of irrational things that I think usually yeah. get raised when this happens, um, and that's one of them. I could certainly live with it being changed that if, if, the, if it was a low-level offence, then and you could still win the brown low, I, I think. So, so in Fife's case, so it was intentional. Yeah. Um, that's not low-level, is it? No, I suppose it's not, but really the incident was... Well, again, you're talking about human interpretation. I didn't think it was intentional. No, no, I'm not saying whether it was <laughs> yeah. or it wasn't. But, but that's, that's how it was graded. That's the charge, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's been... Yeah. So the MRA and the tribunal yeah. reinforced it. So this is not one of those... Care- so there was the suggestion that only intentionals could have you out of the brown <laughs> yes. Well, this is intentional. I, so, <laughs> I just think the sliding scale that gets... Had to get graded intentional, but we don't think we he don't feel like tended it's to so run in there and elbow him in the head. Under two weeks and you're OK. <laughs> Wayne Carey thinks the Roos can win the flag. Should we tell him he's dreaming? No. No. No, I, I yeah, don't no, think I, they're going to, but they've got a shot. No, well, I mean, I I talked with Jared during the week about. I, I still think I still think Richmond's best is the best and probably the most bankable. But I I just look at North Melbourne and think they believe that they can win it, and that and we've seen in the last couple of years that that, that goes a long way, and they've got they've got great spine and they've got role players who are fanatical about their role if they so, can stay healthy yeah. big chance but i agree with you about the richmond thing but there's so many things that can happen what happens if west coast finish on top yeah uh port adelaide finish second richmond finish third and somehow by a fate of effect port adelaide play richmond in preliminary final at adelaide oval mm. you get two interstate teams richmond don't make it so anything can happen uh, it's it's too early to say to rule anyone out and say no. Tell him he's dreaming. Blah blah blah. Right. I mean, we, we we've seen the last two years of history have shown us that somebody can peak with six weeks to go. I just wanted to get a reference to the castle in if yes. I could. Let's listen <laughs> yeah. to Alan Richardson on Jack Billings. We think this this would be a moment that Jack looks back on his career and uh, probably would rather it didn't happen. But it's been a, it potentially would be a circuit breaker. Just getting back into form. I think it's as simple as that. I we think Billings is. is got some really exciting footy for a long time ahead of him and um, uh, as I said before you look across the competition there'll be some pretty good players not picked this week that are playing um, in in the seconds and um, that's all it is really. Bob has he been too slow to pull the trigger on Jack Billings do you think? Uh, No I don't think so no I I think. Or a big name? Yeah I think it's a it's a big statement but I think especially with where St Kilda have been at and and Jack Billings is one of those players who he, he's a skillful player who often doesn't kick the ball that well. And I think that that, that is a thing. Um, he just hasn't been able to meet that that standard. We know he's got in him. He, he got there at various points last year, but hasn't hasn't got there anywhere near enough this year. So I think it's a 
I think it's about the right time. Have you heard the whisper that about three weeks ago when he was teetering on the edge whether he was going to get dropped or not, he rang the coach and said, please don't do it. I'll give you all I've got. Yeah, right. I hadn't heard that. No, I, he might have shot a bit early. You, ca you, you can only make that call once. Yeah. It's just it's three weeks later. You keep your powder dry for this week. Got a no, last I one for us, Jared. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Gorn and Grundy, all Australian. Yeah, by far. How important is Monday then, the head-to-head -head duel? Yeah, they won't think about that. That's just their, their bout. But isn't it wonderful to have... You talk about the state of the game and the, that new committee coming in. How lovely is it? Yeah, Jared's committee. That's what it'll be known as from now. The Waitley <laughs> Review. Um, Imagine saddling me with that. Like, it's gone, <laughs> like the Gonski report. And it's wildly yes. overstated. Yeah, the magic bullet theory. Um, it's wonderful to look forward to a battle we know is going to happen. The Knights Vanderhaar... The, Grundy gone. It's well, especially because we've talk, we're talking about the state of the game. So, for, and one of the things we all miss are the matchups, the wing, you know, Dipper and Robbie Flower. Those those sort of th yeah. where you'd, we don't really get that much anymore. Yeah. And but with the Ruckman, that's a certainty. Yeah. We get we all we get the anticipation of it. We get the battle of it. Then we get to dissect the result of it. But I can remember where you, you'd wait with anticipation as a young Collingwood supporter waiting for Len Thompson to play against Gary Dempsey. And you just, you, you'd watch their craft and the way they went against each other. Grundy's very much, he, he scraps better at ground level. He runs through the lines better. He's a big, big man as well. Uh, probably a better jumper, but Gorn, for obvious reasons, reaches higher who, and can take who, wonderful who, overhead contested marks. Just about out of time. Who wins Monday? Who wins today? Geelong and North. Derm? Geelong and Melbourne for me. Bob? I've got North and Melbourne. And uh, Commissioner? I've got Geelong and Melbourne. North have got a very good record down here over the years. They have, yeah. yeah. A good yeah. recent record against the Cats. Can't wait for another big day of footy going all the way through to Monday. Stay with us. This has been Crunch Time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91